Hey there, and welcome back to Food Biz Wiz. Today's show is all about working with brokers, and I'm really excited to welcome my guest, Daniel Morrison, the Director of Distributor Relations at Green Spoon Sales, to our show today. If you have ever wondered how to know if you're ready for a broker, how you evaluate whether or not you found the right one for your brand, and what you can expect from that relationship, and maybe how brokers and distributors work together, you are going to love today's show. Let's get right to it. You're listening to Food Biz Wiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Ali Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. I'm going to tell you a secret from my time as a grocery buyer. Buyers will only bring in your product line if they trust that you are going to bring high sales to your category. They don't care whether your product is the most delicious ever or made with local ingredients. They care about whether or not it's going to sell. How can you prove this to those buyers? With data. And that is why I love WeStock, and I wish it had been around when I was in my buyer role. WeStock has modernized the classic product request form, and it collects your fans and followers' enthusiasm into real data that you can use in your wholesale pitch. Buyers rely on numbers, and you can give them just that by collecting it with WeStock. Check them out at WeStock.io or find them in my show notes and use promo code FOODBIZWIZ for 25% off your first year. Hi, Daniel. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ali. I'm uh, excited to, to chat with you today as well. I know. I feel like we've got so much to talk about. And my whizzes, I said this in the intro, but you know, Daniel and I are going to dispel some myths about working with brokers and distributors. He is the director of distributor relationships at Green Spoon Sales, which is one of the brokers who I recommend the most often. And you guys are going to hear why in a bit. So before stepping into this role, Daniel, you worked in national brand management and you were the director of business development at Green Spoon. So I'm sure that our convo is going to touch on some of those experiences as well. But before we get deep into this conversation, can you tell us a little bit about a high level overview of Green Spoon, who they are and what you guys do for emerging brands? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Green Spoon. Um, well, Greenspoon is a national broker. We have teams all over the U.S. Um, and we call on all the key accounts um, from, you know, your major key accounts, you know, Sprouts, Fresh Market, Whole Foods, Wegmans, um, across multiple channel, you know, grocery, mm-hmm. um, conventional world, crossover, and um, the natural channel. So we call on, you know, all the stores as well as the the corporate headquarters as well as you know we do the the headquarter call for um some of the major distributors here in the yeah and you said you and i were chatting before we hit record here and you said that you guys are you're growing you know and i feel like each time i check in with you guys you're you're growing um how many team members do you guys have now do you know uh, we have about a hundred employees, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we're, we're boutique and we'll always keep it that way is, yeah. is what, you know, the owners, um, what their vision is. 
Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I like Green Spoon so much. It seems like you guys are really selective in who you bring on because, you know, they're an, you're an extension of their brand and vice versa, right? Exactly. And it's, it's you know, it's a team with a passion. That's like one of the sayings. And um, yeah, they do, you know, the owners, Matt and Kari, are close friends of mine and, and I've worked together with them for a long time. And they they do a phenomenal job just choosing great brands to yeah. to partner with. Yeah. Yeah, your portfolio is is a fun one. So, let's start with some of the basics and I want to I want to really like pretend that someone does not understand what a broker does. Like what can you give us like the fifth grade explanation of what is the difference between a broker and a distributor? Sure, sure. Well, a distributor would be a um company that basically buys your product and delivers it to the stores for you. Um, you know, a broker is basically a, a liaison of your company. And, you know, a lot of brands, as you kind of grow, you just don't have the bandwidth to manage all the paperwork, key accounts, call on the stores, scale your business. So um, that's kind of how the model, I guess, has grown here in the U.S., um, you know, it's, it's a model that's existed for a long time. So people hire a broker or say they want to, you know, penetrate a certain geography in the U S um, they can hire a broker to target certain accounts and whether it's the Pacific Northwest or, um, Northern California or wherever it is, you know, a lot of these retailers, you know, you, you really need to focus and handhold and, um, there are definitely significant spends, um, to the manufacturer. So, a bro- and brokers, you know, like Sprouts, for example, um, is, it's a, it's a behemoth. There, there's a lot of doors. <laughs> and so yep. they have lots of different marketing yep. <laughs> and cool programming that if you really want to go and be successful there, um, you want to work with someone who's navigated the the waters before. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited to talk a little bit later in the conversation about the difference between, or excuse me, that like relationship between brokers and distributors. And I know that that is, you know, that's where you are focusing your efforts right now. But so from a high level, the broker, the broker brokers the sale, right. And the distributor distributes the product. So I always think about like, when, when my clients are asking if, if they're ready for a broker or not, or like which they should hire a broker or distributor, I think it comes back to this fundamental question about like, do you need sales help or do you need delivery help? Um, and so I, I love thinking about Greenspoon as this, this extension of your sales team, right? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. I mean, you can grow a business and I mean, it depends also every brand. I mean, has a different vision, you know, yep. there's, you can build a really nice business, um, making burritos and, and selling them, you know, to, and being regional. Yep. But if you're, if your vision and your goal is to be kind of a, a national brand, then you, it's, it's, you can't, it's very challenging to hire your own internal sales team in all the key metro markets around the U S. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a brand can hire a company like us. Well, you know, if you have an item rolling out at, you know, one, two, or 11 different Whole Foods regions, um, a broker can help you fill those voids and, and make sure your product lands at all the stores 
as well as, you know, that all your paperwork and promotions and everything like that is submitted correctly and on time. Yeah, gosh, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, but that, that paperwork, that, that onboarding paperwork is, can be very, very challenging. And it's nice to have someone who's been there before and knows how to click, you know, check through all those boxes. Yeah. So, so exactly. Daniel, can you tell me, let's, let's talk about like, how would someone know if they're ready for a broker? Because I think so often, and I will tell you this, I see this in retail ready brands are like, okay, I've got like some, some growth and I'm, I think I'm ready for a broker and I can see some red flags where they're, they're not quite ready for that. But can we, can we talk about like what those would be? Like how, how do you know if you're ready for a broker to begin with? I mean, most of the brokers around the U.S., like one of the major factors that's going to really help a broker team be successful is if you're already in distribution, you know, Um, of course, like good brokers are going to open up distribution for you, help you onboard, um, all that good stuff. But, you know, that's, that's, that's one factor. That's just one factor that'll help you be successful. Um, You know, there's, there's, the U S is a really big area. And if you are approved in like a chain, like natural grocers, which is one here in my backyard, um, which is a, which is an awesome account. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a 140 stores spread across multiple States. A lot of the stuff is done at the store level that might be, say you're approved there. Um, you're just kind of getting set, set up with, um, you know, you and a five, for example, then yep. it might be time to bring on a, a broker team so they can help you, um, you know, up and down the street, hit the ground running and um, get some of those turns going. Yeah, absolutely. And so I like, I like this, the way you think about it. So to, that you would ideally, ideally, right? Like best case scenario, you would have the distribution first so that broker can come in and really work their magic of increasing sales, right? Yeah, totally. And I mean, listen, brokers are, I mean, there are, there's a spectrum, you know, they're no, no, none of them are the same really, but they're generally, they can be expensive for a brand, you know, whether you're paying a retainer, whether you're paying commission yeah. brokers, you know, brokers, it's, it's one more thing to factor in. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so, and you know, in my humble opinion, like it's not fun. It can take months to onboard a distributor. So it's yeah. not that fun to, you know, to collect fees and, and, and just kind of be waiting. Sometimes it takes a little while. So that's what I mean. Like if it's, it's better if if you're already set up and your broker team can really just hit the ground running and take it and run with it. Yeah. And that makes so much sense, right? Because if a broker's, if a broker's whole point is to get you in more doors, if then you, the vendor have that limitation on how you can actually get your product to those new accounts, that broker can't do what they're, they're meant to do. Yeah, it's, it's essential, but Hey, it's also, there's, there's these days, you know, there's so many cool brands launching and um, yeah, we love getting brands in front of our distributor partners all day long and um, you know, do it every day. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's, (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. Here is, here's something I hear all the time. Well, there are no good brokers out there. Like I've tried working with brokers and they were just a waste of money. Like I tried working with brokers and they didn't grow my brand. Like brokers, (laughs) brokers aren't for me. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard it too. Right. Um, 
how do you find a good broker? Like, or like, what do you look for in a broker? How do you know if it's the right fit to begin with? Well, like I said, there's, there's lots of different brokers out there. Lots of regional ones, little small teams, um, single people doing, you know, whether it's like a merchandising thing, Mm -hmm. just a key account thing where they really don't go to stores. Um, You know, I think it's, it's the best, it's best to find a broker that is kind of has the same vision that is in the same, um, you know, if you find a broker that's too big, like, Mm, yeah, you know, you're just going to be a tiny little number, but you know, you want to find the broker that's the right, um, that's going to give you the right level of service. Basically that's maybe hungry for your business that feels passionate about your prod, your products. Um, you want to find a, a broker that's kind of on your same page and, and shares your vision and that you can have a, a good relationship with, be friends with. And, yeah. God. I well, think, yeah. yeah. You hit the nail on the head there, right? That it's at the end of the day, it's a relationship. So if, you know, if, if you're reaching out to them and they're not returning your emails or phone calls, or you feel like they're not listening to you or that their vision, like you said, their vision is different than your vision. That at the end of the day, as the vendor, you've got to ask yourself if you want to be in that relationship, right? If it's the right fit, if the shoe fits. I mean, if you're a huge $200 million company, you're obviously not going to have a tiny little broker team. Um, You have a lot of, um, you know, paperwork and, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, but if absolutely. A smaller company, you also don't want to give it a huge behemoth broker because you might get lost. You're not going to get yeah. that handholding. Yeah. So I, what I hear you saying is it's just about creating your own vision at the beginning or understanding your vision, right? And finding a broker that can help you achieve that vision. Finding, setting expectations with a broker from the beginning about what your goals are so that you guys, so that you're on the same page and, or so you can evaluate whether or not they're the right fit for you in the first place, right? Absolutely. I mean, listen, if you're trying to, if, you know, there's produce brokers, there's just so many different, um, you know, variances of, Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I, I remember one of my favorite brokers when I was working at Byright, we didn't work with very many brokers at all. Um, but one of my favorite ones was a really, really high end chocolate broker. And so he would come in and he would have, you know, he probably represented a few dozen chocolate lines and, and that was it. And so it was really cool because every time he came knocking on my door, I knew that he would have some sort of exciting new chocolate thing to put in my, you know, chocolate and confections category. And we had this relationship where I would answer his phone calls (laughs) because I knew he always brought me quality product. Um, Okay. Yeah. So, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, that, that vendor, that, that brand has decided you know, they've, they've done all their research. It's a time consuming process. They found the right broker. Then what happens? Like what does that broker, you know, brand relationship look like? And like how, literally like how does that broker help brands get on the shelf? You know, and it's also, yeah, you kind of just like so many other things in life, you kind of get what you, um, put into it, you know, mm-hmm. practice makes perfect. So there's, I think there's a fine balance of plugging into a broker team, um, twisting, turning them, having some good, clear goals that I think are realistic, you know, being, a um, letting your broker know like, Hey, I'm on the same team as you. 
um, the goals to sell more product. You can come to me and with, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I'm going to work through this with you, you know, um, kind of, that's a good way to approach it. In my opinion, Mm. you know, you don't want to, you don't want to like, you know, kind of bulldog your broker around in my opinion. That's just, that's just my humble opinion. Um, you want in my, you know, what I see you get the best results is when your broker feels comfortable going back to you saying like, Hey, we're dealing with these challenges in the marketplace. This, you know, this retailer has said this, they're pushing back on this, um, you know, whatever it is. So how, yeah. And how incredible would it be to have someone who's your eyes and ears on the ground, right? Like as these, these brand founders, these, you know, I'll tell you my listeners, like they are strapped for time. So they, they are not in the position or, nor do they have the capacity to hear what every single retailer is saying, you know, positive or negative about their brand. So to have that broker who acts as that liaison between the brand and the the buyer feels so valuable, right? Um, I but think- Dan, what I hear you saying too is that 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 vendor that brand has to be open to being a relationship. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's exactly it's category management. Um, you know, the retailers are kind of in the similar scenario where mm, yeah. they, you know everybody it's bottlenecked, and um, you know, a category a category manager or buyer can you know this be so busy they they just don't have that much time. Yeah. To- Hundreds of different manufacturers. So yep. that's the reason why, you know, a broker who works with their buyer knows the core, the ins and outs of, of this retailer. They can go in there and quickly present and efficiently and concisely present, um, you know, all the items that are being totally. reviewed. Totally. Know? I mean, I think about even just using that like chocolate broker example, like I had a relationship with him. So again, like when he came, when he asked for an appointment, I already knew, I already knew what he was going to bring me was going to be of a certain quality. And if a chocolate, let's say a new chocolate vendor came and pitched to me solo, I would have to start, I start that relationship from the beginning. Like, I don't know whether to trust them or not. I don't know the quality of their product and they're, <laughs> they're less likely to get a call back than, um, than the broker with whom I've already had this, you know, these years of relationship. Yeah. A broker should be able to tell the vendor, Hey, listen, you want to get, if you want to get into this retailer, this is what they, this is what they like to see. Yeah. You know, and that's beneficial for all parties and yeah, the relationships. I mean, that's also a huge part of it as well. Um, but you know, as you know, and everybody knows the product also has to, uh, oh. <laughs> be able to- <laughs> yes, I have a video on my Facebook page. I feel like it is, I feel like it might be my number one most watched video that is called a broker can't save you. And it is, <laughs> I, yeah, I, you've okay. probably seen it, right? It's like, if you have a mediocre brand, the best broker is not going, it's still, it's still not going to be successful if you have, even if you have the best broker, right? A, the, the most wonderful broker still can't sell a mediocre brand. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of truth to that, you know, the, but the relationship helps, you know, they'll give you the time yeah, of day, sure, but sure. yeah, if you're, you know, the product definitely needs to stand on its own two feet. Right. That buyer might say yes to the product because they trust the broker. But then if the product's not moving off the shelf, you know, it'll, it'll only be on there for so long. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, another thing, I mean, 
that I guess, you know, a broker does with this whole relationship. And we might talk about this a little bit later, but, you know, the whole onboarding promotions, loading new items, um, different deals. I mean, a lot of great distributors, UNFI, Kehi, they have like their sales teams too. So we're, we're constantly working with them and, and working our brand, stuff like that too. Yeah. I, I like thinking about it. You can't see me right now, obviously, but I'm like moving my hands around in the air. Like I like thinking about it as this whole connected web of people moving, moving around and working together who's ultimate goal is to drive sales for, for a brand, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to have us pause. I'm going to drop in a quick sponsor. And when we come back, Daniel, I want to talk about that, that broker distributor relationship that we've been alluding to for a while now. So hang tight. We'll be right back. You hear it from your customers every day. I love your product. I wish this was sold near me. When are you going to be carried at my favorite local store? It is time to capture those customer interactions and put them to work for your brand. We Stock streamlines the product request process and helps get your brand on retail shelves faster by collecting data that is essential for your wholesale pitch. And you have heard me say it enough times by now to know that buyers love data. A pitch that is backed by data is always going to capture that buyer's attention faster than a pitch without it. Learn more about how you can use your fans' product requests to perfect your pitch at WeStock.io or linked in my show notes. And don't forget to use promo code FOODBIZWIZ for 25% off your first year. Okay, we're back. So Daniel, tell me, before we like talk about this broker-distributor relationship, can you explain what you do in your day-to-day role at Greenspoon? Yeah, these days um, I manage our distributor team. Yeah. So, you know, we have people, someone calling on UNFI, someone calling on KEHI, and, um, you know, we're, we're starting to work with some other DSD players around, and, and we have some regional distributors too, which are great. Um, but, you know, um, we're a national sales team, so, you know, UNFI and KEHI are our biggest partners. Sure, sure. So you are the person who makes that connection between the the brand and the distributor and help helps those brands get onboarded with the distributor and all of that sort of back end stuff. Yeah, for certain brands it's okay. um you know we're cold call, hey, check out this brand, blah blah, you know. These are the items we want to pitch. These are the, you know, DCs, these are the geographies we want to focus. This is where we're at with, you know, in the retail marketplace with this with these items, you know, we have x amount of commitments or we're already in these stores selling directly or, you know, so yeah, we do that. Um we're constantly trying to save items, slotting, um work through, you know, pack changes, cost oh. you know that's that's the name of the game right yeah i'm i'm laughing because i (laughs) i'm laughing because there is so much to think about and i will tell you you know i see these i see these questions every week in retail ready where someone's like you know i got into unfi next like i am onboarding with kehi like whatever it is they don't have they don't have a broker it's their first major distributor and they're literally like 
how do I fill out this paperwork? <laughs> Help me. Like w- literally like this one question, I don't even understand what they're asking. Um, so I know that there's, it's so complicated and it is, I don't want to like scare people, but it's, it's really, it can be dangerous for a brand when they're onboarding with a big distributor because, or a big retailer, because there's so many ways to lose money. Right. Um, and so I imagine, I imagine you love <laughs> this type of thing where you're actually helping that, that brand navigate yeah, some of those complexities. Yeah. You know, it's, I've, that's all I've kind of ever done in, in my careers. I love it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pitfalls. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a million, there's, there's a lot, but we, once you do it, just like anything, once you, um, once you go through the paperwork and do all that, it's, it's, it's not as daunting, but yeah, for yeah. someone who's never done it, of course, the, you know, new supplier setup, the onboarding process can, can take unnecessarily long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So again, that's like, that's but, one of the key things that that broker can do for you is help yeah. you help you walk through that paperwork, right? Insurance W nines. There's just like, you know, there's just a lot of different forms, but, um, it's not that intimidating. It's it's definitely not that intimidating for me. Yeah, I was gonna say, says the person who has been doing it for like a decade. Um, okay, so so Daniel, so I want to talk a little bit more about this broker distributor relationship. And you mentioned some of the bigger distributors have internal sales teams. And I often hear like, okay, well, I don't need a broker because my distributor said that they're gonna sell my product. My distributor said that they're like of course they're going to sell my product for me. Like they're a distributor and that's not always the case. Right. Um, even if they, even if they say they will. So how does this, how does, how does the broker distributor relationship work? Um, well, it's different for each distributor that, you know, they all have different, um, strengths and I mean, but we work very closely with those key account managers. Um, they're great. There's some great people out there and um personally i've become really close with you know my local ones my local unify team here they're amazing Mm -hmm. people um you know and the shows are a great way to build those relationships um but yeah the distributor reps of course can be sort of gatekeepers for the category managers and um so yeah that's just it's so important to have those good relationships and um with them as well with a broker it's a little more boutique you'll you know yeah, distributor can have hundreds and thousands of SKUs, you know. Yeah, it's a little bit more high touch, and you've got someone rooting for you <laughs> with that with that distributor. So, so let's talk about it from a specific level. Like, let's say that you represent a cereal brand, and I am a buyer, and I want that cereal brand, and I want to like place a reorder. Am I calling up my distributor, or am I now calling up my broker? No, to place a reorder, they'll just go through and, you know, scan it. Or that's the beauty of having your item in a distributor is the retailers, which is how they bring the product. I mean, you know this. Yeah. You know, you order one case of this, two cases of this because it's the weekend. Um, You're good on this brand. You don't need to, or this product, you don't need to buy any. Yep. Um, Which is, you know, key because if you're, it's just how the retailers work. They don't order direct. Yeah. Um, You know, as you're like, ah, I can't, I'm selling direct. This is great. I have a chocolate company. I can't run around 
you know, I can't go up to Eureka Natural Foods and then all the way down to San Luis Obispo. Like mm-hmm. that's yeah. when you're know, like, all right, cool. My business is doing well. I'm getting a lot of um, reorders you know, time, maybe it's time to bring one of these other partners on. Yeah. And I'm glad that you say that Daniel too, because I I want to be clear that we are not, um, we're not against going direct, right? Like that's how almost all brands start, right? Like when you go direct and when you first have those buyer meetings and you are connecting with the people who are actually making decisions on your brand, you're learning so much and you're like making those key relationships. But then like you say, Daniel, like at at some point it, it's not sustainable because you can't drive up and down the California coast. Not until you're you're Coke or Pepsi or something like that. But that's the, yeah. And that's the thing too, is yes, there's a lot of pitfalls back to that other question you know, once you do go into a, a major national distributor like this, you're, you are playing with the bigger players. So, yeah. um, you know, the, it's, it's, it's a competitive landscape. So you gotta be, you gotta be ready to, to give away a lot, but also you need to run a business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you've mentioned that there are national and regional distributors. Do you have a sense of whether or not a brand should you know, jump to national or do they start regionally or like what, what is the growth path usually look like? And, and just cause you're bringing on a partner like Unify or K, you don't need to be in every one of their warehouses. And that's yes. a major, you know, that's a major strategy. You, you really want to just open up distribution where you're confident you can, you know, have strong velocities, whether it's five, 10, 20 cases a month. Um, you know, everybody has to manage their, you know, their, their inventory and their categories, just like a store has to only has so much shelf space. Mm -hmm. Um, so does a distributor and so does a broker too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we all just have so much bandwidth. (laughs) Right. And, you know, I, I think about that a lot too, because if you, if you sign on with a distributor and you're one hummus company out of, 20 that they represent, like, why would they give your hummus company, you know, the limelight over another one, right? So I think it's, I, this is, this is one of the things that I like about Greenspoon. I feel like you guys are really selective in the portfolio where you're not, you aren't pitting like 20 hummus companies against each other. Absolutely. No, exactly. Um, and you know, certain geographies around the U S and certain distributor warehouses are better, I would think to, I would say to launch at, you know, the Bay area is a great area. You know, there's lots of smaller mid-sized chains you can get into, you know, great one, two store accounts, Berkeley Bowl or, you know, um, Rainbow, stuff like that. Um, And other, for example, where you might have another distributor warehouse down in the South or something that just services one account maybe or two accounts. Yeah. Yep. Certain parts of the country that are very chain driven, of course, we're seeing um, that landscape change all the time. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I see happen pretty often is that a an emerging brand has a couple dozen accounts like in, you know, in their region. So historically they had been, you know, doing demos and really supporting those accounts and really on the ground there. They go to <laughs> you know, again, historically, go to Expo West or Fancy Food or something like that. They get interest from a region that's across the country and they get really, really excited about it. But again, they're doing everything direct They and they want to say yes to, you know, some other region. But 
when they actually look at the reality of it, it becomes very, very hard to manage those accounts and like support yeah. them in the way that you need to. Yeah, there's, you know, and I've had kind of very open talks about this where it's like, okay, put the brakes on. Like we've landed like five great accounts right now. The hard part really is, is making sure your product's turning on the shelf. Yeah. You know, when consumers haven't heard of it, I, I feel like. So um, that's a lot of the times more of a challenge than getting the product even on the shelf. Oh, I say that all the time. Like getting on the shelf is the easy part, right? <laughs> getting into the shopping baskets is the hard part. I'm actually curious, you know, and this is off script. So if you don't have a good answer here, as things are quite up and down these days, that's okay. But I'm curious about this, you know, as of now, right, we are recording in June. Brands, you know, demos are not really happening. Although I did see Costco say that they might start bringing demos back, but demos aren't happening. You know, trade shows are canceled. In-person marketing, it's just, you know, it's everything, everything has been canceled here. How are you seeing brands drive velocity at the store level when, when we don't have these, these programs going on right now? Or at least generate trial too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Product discovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, I've heard of some other interesting things, you know, we're constantly, I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to do that, especially Um, whether it's prepackaged. I mean, listen, demos are really expensive to begin with. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) paying $150 for a demo at a store, maybe you send them $100 worth of product and they just give it away, you know, whether it's energy bar, whether it's It definitely, you know, I think obviously needs to be sort of prepackaged, you know, right now. Um, It's just such a crazy time right now. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I've realized too is that when COVID went down, that week of Expo West being canceled, it it really shook things up in the industry, obviously. And it feels like it has been so long, right? Because we're all sheltering in place and like time is just moving so slowly. But at the end of the day, it's only been 90 days, right? And right. so... Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, 90 days, like I mean, and this, of course, is like being a little bit optimistic here, but a lot can happen in the industry in 90 days. And I am, I am excited by how swiftly our industry has responded to things. And I'm pretty confident that we're going to figure out this piece of, you know, trial and yeah. uh, velocity as well. I think something cool I heard one brand doing was, you know, go on the website. If you're like, listen, what if you're like a baking mix, you know, mm-hmm. which it's probably like, this is kind of a, a good time to be actually in the baking. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yep. It was cooking at home, but, um, you know, and so much is kind of direct to consumer, like, Hey, go on the website, fill something out and they'll mail you. If you want to try this brand, they'll mail you a free, a free unit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like a single serve, like make a cupcake in your yeah, toaster so oven sort of thing. Interested in this could be, you know, like, yeah. Well, what do I know? You know, I'm not, I'm not a marketing genius. Right. But um, yeah, it's, it's, man, it's, it's just a crazy time. It really is. And, you know, you and I talked offline a little bit about it, but I think it's, it's really interesting how, again, how our industry has responded and how things really are shifting so rapidly. Are you, are, is Greenspoon getting involved with virtual pitches? And yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah. I had oh. to, I imagine so. How's yeah. that going? 
great. Um, we're also in the stores too. You know, I think during all this, people were in the stores early morning helping clean. We were, you know, giving, supporting them with coffee and um, all these frontline workers. We, we kind of, everybody can kind of has done all we can. Um, I yeah, love that. Good need. for you guys. I mean, that's retailers awesome. still, they want new items, you know, that's, that's a significant um, portion of business is new items. There's a reason all these retailers are putting, I mean, are, are cutting in new items every month because consumers love that. And um, as we all have seen, I mean, grocery stores, I don't think they're, they're, they're not going anywhere right now. No, I actually just read a report that came out on June 1st that said food and beverage is the only sector that's projected to grow in 2020. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's- I'm like, good thing. Good thing we're in food and beverage, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. Virtual, um, lots of virtual meetings, lots of zoom, lots of calls, lots yeah. of emails. Yeah. People are still looking at samples and, well, I'm glad to hear that from your perspective, you're seeing buyers bring in new products and starting to do category reviews again and, and stuff. Because I know there was a freeze on that for a little bit as retailers were figuring out how to respond. But um, yeah. you, I mean, you see, I can't imagine how many accounts you guys serve. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you're you're seeing yeah. buyers and distributors bringing in new products again. Yeah, I think, you know, with a lot of the... Corporate, I think with a lot of corporate offices and stuff with everybody working from home, it was kind of like, whoa, like how do I even get samples, you know? Yeah. But I think people like the dust has settled and um, I think a lot of different, you know, retailers have worked through that and are, are looking at items. Oh, I love it. I want to end, I'm going to have us end on our positive note here because I feel like that's a, it's a really great place to stop and, and recognize that, Grocery is still growing. Um, brokers and distributors are so such a vital piece of that sales puzzle. Once you get to the level where it's appropriate to to have them come on your team, um, Daniel, thank you, thank you so much for your time today. I, gosh, I feel like you and I could talk about <laughs> broker distributor relationships for another hour. Yes, we could do it all day. <laughs> so tell me before I let you go. Tell me. How can people find you? I'll put your info in in our show notes here, but how can people find you or Greenspoon or what's the best way to keep in touch? You can reach out to me directly. I can field, um, you know, my Gmail email address. And I can Perfect. field through the, right, through the right channels. But yeah, thanks for having me. Um, lots of fun. Um, hopefully I did okay. I'm not super experienced with speaking these types you of things. You did but. great. You <laughs> did great. I love it. Okay, so... My whizzes, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and I hope that you have a better understanding of how and when and why you would work with a broker and bring on a distributor for your brand. So let's continue the conversation together in my Food Biz Whiz Facebook group, which I'll link in today's show notes along with Daniel's contact information. So as always, thank you, my listeners, for joining in and I will see you here next week. Until then, stay busy. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going.